Broadcasting live from the clinic, this is The Monstrous Feminine, a podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeba, and I'm joined by my trial participants, Mila, Louisa, and Taya. And this is our last episode covering horrible men in horror. We're talking about the 2023 psychological horror Clock, directed by Alexis Jack now. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In Clock, a Jewish woman named Ella struggles with her lack of desire to have children. It's a fact frequently commented on and challenged by her procreating friends, her husband, especially her father, who constantly reminds her that their family did not survive the Holocaust just for their matriarchal line to end with her. Pressured by society, Ella decides to take a break from her career and enroll herself in a clinical trial to try to fix her biological clock, but with disastrous consequences. We administer a newly engineered synthetic hormone, pair that cognitive behavioral therapy, and the option of an implant. Deep breath. I might be a tough case. You're not a case to me, Ella. You're a human being, and the best kind, too. What kind is that? A woman. Have you seen someone give birth? Not a human, but I used to have braid Yorkshire Terriers, so... I've seen dogs. I've also seen a lot of animal birth because I go to the state fair, Minnesota State Fair. Have I never told y'all this? Okay, strap in. So at the state fair, there is something called the Miracle of Life Barn. And it is massive. It's huge, right? And in the Miracle of Life Barn, there are dozens and dozens, if perhaps not hundreds, of pregnant animals of all kinds giving birth all at once. The farmers come when they know that they're going to be in labor and they're all giving birth, all kinds of pigs and cows and horses and sheep and even eggs hatching. And I go every single year. It's my favorite thing. Um, I cannot explain it. I take delight in all the fresh born baby animals. And, you know, that is... Perhaps the most horrifically Midwest thing about me is the miracle of life barn is like, I must, must go to stop for me. Like adjacently to that, I am so not afraid of birth at all. I have watched live and video, lots of human birth. I have strongly considered becoming a doula or midwife because I have no fear. I feel like it should be me. If I've been gifted with that, particular proclivity i mean there's lots of reasons it's very difficult for black women to have like safe birth workers who they can trust and i'm like damn i could really do that for folks it's a really scary experience sometimes it's just like holding someone's hand or like being an advocate at the hospital at the doctor's office like yes you are assisting in the birth a lot of the time but it's like a lot of it is just like knowing what is going on being knowledgeable in the anatomy of it and being like an empathetic person. All this to say, I would never give birth naturally. Ever. We live in the future. I would never do that. I don't think we have to. I would get an epidural without a second thought. I would schedule a C-section and be knocked out unconscious if I could. I don't need to be there for the birth. I have no excitement of giving birth or being pregnant at all. I really think I'd be good at helping though. 
like a lot of people say don't do that unless you've done it yourself you can't empathize with it unless you ever plan to have a natural birth yourself I don't think that's fair but like I would have to be honest with people and be like absolutely not I'm not doing that straight up happy for you but I'm never doing that shit (laughs) yeah so the only thing that has stopped me is that I feel that way about it for myself right but like I do still feel that impulse because I find the whole thing quite beautiful and fascinating and would love to help people, but I don't know if they want my help. I would personally think that you and Taya would be calming presence in the birthing room. Taya, because of your voice, very calming, like I would be soothed. Like if you told me to take a breath, I'd probably do it. And then Zeba, because I think, yeah, I think you'd be pretty calm. Mila, sorry about it. I think you'd panic. I mean, it disgusts me, but I like, if it's happening to other people, I'm fine. Okay, well then maybe you can come too. I don't want to come though. I'm going to stay outside like an old school husband. All that to say that I actually don't want to do it. Who looks forward to that? I used to really look forward to it. And that was one part of why I originally started like doing doula work. I'd try all of your breast milk. I'm going to put that out there right now. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that as well. Like people get weird about it. I was like, I worked in a nursery and had to like, deal with breast milk babies would be drinking it and then they'd like shove their hand which was covered in it into my like mouth like without me being aware i have already had like breast milk like in like drunken it inadvertently i also think it's sad because cows don't calves don't get their parents milk because like they separate them as soon as they're born this episode is sponsored by to be fair I don't find birth to be scary and I don't find it hard to watch. But when I think of myself giving birth, it's a little hard because when the baby crowns with the shoulders, no, shoulders coming out of my, no. Like that to me is very scary. I unlocked a chronic fear of giving birth. Oh, like in this film, what's it called? Tocophobia. I thought that was so real and I have it. It annoys me that it's pathologized to be a phobia because it's a rational fear. So many things in your body can go wrong. Your body, it is like genuine body horror. Like your nails can fall off. Your teeth can fall out. Your hair can fall out. Your nipples can fall off. I feel like some people are built for it better than others also. Like I think I'm not built for it. I, I know my body pretty well. So much changes, so much goes wrong, like this damage. Like, I was like, yeah, forgive me for not wanting to go through that. Also, potentially, I'll probably have access to two wounds in this relationship. Doesn't have to be mine. I would rather be the one handing out cigars in, like, the waiting room. My mom had a C-section because she also didn't dilate the full way. And that was also because of a man doctor who did her epidural wrong and fucked the shit up and it wasn't in right and didn't believe her when she was like, I think I'm feeling more pain than I'm supposed to. He's like, no, no, no. That aside, she had a C-section in the end. There are pictures of me being pulled out of her. I've seen them. They're like very much like in her business, like bloody pools or whatever. And I'm being held up by the doctors and like covered in blood, dripping in whatever. I've seen these pictures so many times and it didn't occur to me. I'm like, oh my God, my dad took those. Why is your camera out, bro? No, I would like someone to document it. I wouldn't want to see it. Yeah. I'm going to go through all that and you're not going to have visual proof. No, I want you there. Mila, that's your role in the birthing room. You're taking the photos. A big ass video camera being like, move, you're in my light. 
you know what? That's your purpose in the birthing room. Ty is there to ASMR me to soothe me. Zabe is there to calm me. Somebody has to vlog it. And Mila is there to vlog. The Monstrous Feminine is on Twitter, so please go tweet us. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is Shut Up Jordan, who tweeted us saying, Everyone should listen to The Monstrous Feminine. Brooke is truly the best for putting me on. I want to meet Brooke. Thank you, hun. Brooke has taste. Cyberbully, that's your full name. Thank you for tweeting us. Thank you, Brooke, for putting them on. I love that Brooke's not tagged. Like, Brooke is just like an entity. Who's that rapper? Brooke? Brooke Candy? I think it's Brooke Candy. I just have a hunch. I love that we don't know who you are, but you're like spreading the good word. Friendly reminder that we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear cut discussions of my main episodes. And for £5, you get all that, plus the opportunity to pick our themes, films, and discussion points. Please support us. Any contribution helps. I really like that in this film, when I watched it, immediately I went to Google Diana Agron afterwards. Oh, I didn't have to Google Diana Agron. I know who she is. I have history with that woman. You back off. Wait, how do you guys know? I just knew her from Shiva Baby. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> She's in Glee. Glee kids. She's your Glee kids. Okay, of course. Right, yeah. Listen, I am a big fan. I know who she is. I don't need you to come from my throat. I just want to see if she was 37. Is she not? She is. She's 37. And she also had just gotten a divorce from that guy who she was married to who was in Mumford and Sons around the time of this movie. Was it Mumford or one of the sons? He plays the banjo hard. (laughs) Her character seemed so tailored to her. I think it helps that the film is given depth by how connected her character is to the film. And I think sometimes... There's like this argument of like, oh, it doesn't matter if actors relate to a role, which is true. But in this case, it helps so much that she has like the personal experience of being a 37 year old Jewish woman just went through a divorce and having like the pressure of Hollywood always bringing up like, is she pregnant? Is she going to have a kid? I think that just adds so much to the role and the performance than if it would have been like a 25 year old girl playing 37. The first time I saw this film, I recommend it to everyone and none of you watched it and neither did my sister. So thank you all for that. I appreciate your disloyalty. (laughs) But I think the reason why I like this film so much was three different reasons. For one, I am in my late 20s. So I've started to feel the pressure of people telling me I should have kids. Even when I went to the doctor recently and and they asked if there was any chance if I was pregnant and I was like, no. And she was like, well, maybe you should start thinking about it. Like you are almost 30. She didn't say it in like a rude way. It was just like, oh, maybe you should think about it. The thing is, I feel like I have all the time in the world to delay having children, but then I forget that I'll be older when they're adults. And that'll be rough because they'll have to deal with having like an aging parent like very early in their 20s which I wouldn't necessarily want them to have to deal with. But also, like, the world is not becoming better, so it's very hard for me to think about bringing a kid into the world knowing that it'll likely just continue to get worse. And so I feel like the pressure of that, and then there's also, like, my family and, like, my grandma and stuff are quite old. And so there's, like, the pressure of, like, do if I want to have a kid, do I want to do it while, like, they can actually see the child? Like, the thought of all of those things, like, as her father brings it up, 
was quite scary for me to confront. But also I feel like I'm not where I want to be in my career in the way that she's like, I just want to do this thing. I want to do this project. Like I've worked so hard to have these things and I want to enjoy my career before I bring a kid into the world. And she didn't necessarily feel like she wanted it at that phase. But also, while I'm not Jewish, and I understand there is a completely separate reason why there's more pressure on her as a Jewish woman, because a child receives a Jewish soul from like the matriarchal line. But as a Black woman, I think there's also the pressure to have a kid specifically with someone of the same race. I'm not saying like I only want to have kids with people of different races, but I feel like all of the pressure to like have the black family unit comes to black women. And I think that's in every culture. Like the cult the ideal of like passing on your race is very much rooted in like preaching it to women and criticizing them if they don't do that than it is to men because it feels like, oh, the baby, as long as they have like a black mom or a mom of this race, they'll pass down the traditions. And so it feels like it's your job personally to continue this down. And when you come from like a legacy of like violence or like there was some sort of genocide done to your people, then it's so much more of a pressure, especially in the U.S. Like we are a minority. Yes, there's an entire continent of Africa where there's different countries full of black people. But in America, we are a minority. So like being a black woman in America, like into pass down like this explicit line of blackness and like the legacy of that it is, especially because I come from the South. And like my family is very personally linked to slavery, as are many black families in the U.S. But like I can genuinely trace it back to where my great, great, great grandma was a slave and my great grandfather was born into like a sharecropping family. So actually, it's just my great, great grandma was a slave a couple generations away. Like I can trace it back. So like that to me is like I understand that pressure to explicitly pass on your bloodline and have all of that pressure put upon you i thought that was one of the most poignant parts of the film actually the idea of like the familial pressure because in her case the holocaust and like oh our family didn't survive all of that just for it to like die with you because you want to choose your career you want to do this and like that painting it is selfish i think the dad the father is like quite a interesting figure in this film because in the end he does recant it and you see him be like oh I'm sorry I didn't give you the choice or I, I I understand and you can you can create a new story that's like beautiful and like happy and whatever you want and I think he's like such a complex figure I often see films where it's like exploring like how in like various minority communities like their families perpetuating really toxic values, but then it's like they're not bad people. It's like coming from like very specific historical contexts. And it just like creates like a multi-layered approach to all these characters. In contrast to I feel like the other films about men being horrible. I feel like this is one where it's like I feel kind of like you kind of understand where the father's coming from, but in the sense that obviously it's not right like to put pressure on your children in that way. But like I think it's just like it's sympathetic that viewpoint because that is like it is a lot of weight to carry uh like the burden of that but yeah I feel like this isn't as, as straightforward as like men are trash horror necessarily now we can talk about the husband he's another story yeah it's, it's not explicitly like a men movie until that reveal happens 
the other two films we did, it was very much like men, like capitalized men. And like you said, there's like, you know, different layers to the pressures put on her, you know, from the male figures. I saw like a few headlines, people talking about this film, and they went into depth about how it explores like the horrors of womanhood. And it does just in this, I guess, in the sense that it's about birth, it's about children, you know, the expectations of women. But like her Jewish heritage and like, I get that generational trauma they're dealing with feels like that's kind of like the centerpiece of the film. I had no idea that was going to be like a theme in it at all. I thought it was going to be quite like down the middle about bodily autonomy, the experiences of women, like feeling pressured to have children and feeling like incubators, that kind of thing. But the pressure that she must feel in terms of like her family legacy, surviving such violence. And then your one choice, it's so like personal to you, but actually is wrapped up in not only just your family unit and their wants and desires, it's like your whole community. How are you supposed to reckon with that? Like, don't get me wrong, the twist is like, you know, we've got this male antagonist, but the other women are the ones who, and the female physician, are the ones who like are placing the most amount of pressure and with like higher higher frequency. I really enjoyed how much her Jewish heritage is brought up in the movie because I feel like there have been a lot of films that kind of talk about the fear of childbirth and the expectation of women to have children and like pregnancy in horror very generally. But I don't think there's been any that kind of approaches it from how complex it is when you have a minority identity or like religious factors that go into your choice to have a child. Because as you were saying, her father isn't a villain in the movie and what he is saying to her doesn't necessarily feel ill-willed. It's just like there is so much pressure that goes into things when there are more complex factors at hand and like you feel personally responsible for it and I think that was a really interesting approach to add into it and as I said I think it really helps that Diana Agron is a Jewish woman who is 37 who probably has had similar thoughts to this and the decision to have a child is very complex and I think in this movie there's something really scary when other women make you feel like you're broken for not wanting to have a child or not wanting to have this thing that they feel like you should have. We, I think as women in a form of self-preservation and not just women, but for the most part, people just kind of block out what men think they should be doing. But when a woman tells another woman that what they're doing is wrong, it feels so different. And I think that's what makes her husband's act in this so much worse because he knew hearing it from another woman would change her mind. On that note, I think there are two different motivations for her not wanting to have kids. And while I like agree with all of like the things that the movie is saying, I don't agree that or not agree. I struggled with seeing them exhibited in the same character. So one is a fear of pregnancy and a fear of childbirth which is like where all the body horror comes in. And like, that is reasonable. All of us sat here and we're like, that sounds like a horrible, stressful thing to go through. Not for the most part, not looking forward to it. If you've been exposed to like what 
goes on for real for real you're probably not looking forward to it there's a minority of people who you know are really excited for the pushing for the doing for the birthing for the whatever but i would say those people are in the minority for the most part she also seems to like not like children she doesn't like really want to be around her friends kids for the most part then like that's a totally valid way to feel by the way like there's nothing wrong with that like she doesn't she doesn't want them for herself i think she wouldn't for that reason be a very good mother because you should want to be around children you should like being around children they should feel that you like being around them and volunteered to be around them and then there's like you know this other aspect of it which is like because of her age and because of external pressures from her family and the people around her they're like you should want to have a baby like that's the thing she's trying to correct it's like a mental clock it's not like the physical they keep calling it the biological clock but that's not actually what they're talking about they're like change your mind about this feel differently about it it is weird to me like i'm sure there is some maybe some like biological like you know when you look at a baby you want it you're like oh that baby's so cute something in our biology it's like i would like one of those it's so cute like i'm sure there is something like that but i've never heard it discussed in that way like when people are talking about these issues in real life that like there's something like you have like a mental illness for like not liking children or not wanting children. I I don't know. Like they feel like two separate things. Like she could like children and want children. And then at the same time, she also believes that the world is like this Holocaust angle is also that she is scared of bringing a child into this world. She's like a world where we could do a Holocaust is not one that she feels right about bringing a child into. And that's like a a third reason for her. And so I'm like, either you love and care about children in the future so much that you don't want to bring a child into this world i'm sure it could exist in one person like these things don't necessarily like contradict each other but it found it hard for me to like wrap my head around like all like literally like all of the rhetorical reasons people give for like women not wanting children and i also never bought that her husband was like a good guy i'm like he about to that's the other thing is I don't think she would have been driven. Like, yes, a woman is the one who does change her mind when she goes to the doctor's office. And that is nefarious. But I don't think if her husband was genuinely as supportive as he was of her, she would have been driven to the point of this experimental procedure. I do think men and not just the pressure of fathers, but the pressure of partners, the, especially the pressure of partners. Like if you know that your partner wants a child, not just like is chill with not having one. I think those are like very different stances to have. And that conversation that they had, like there would, there would be the pressure of a partner if I'm being realistic. Like, even if he like says he's okay with it, I'm sure there'd be like some off. He does make a kind of offhanded comment. That's like, Oh, I think he calls her broken or something. Again, implying that it's like a mental deficiency that she has and not like a biological one or like, you know, she's unable to have children. Like, I think the, I don't know, the raising of children is a different thing than the birthing of children is a different thing than like being concerned with like the future of society and all these things are connected. But I think I struggled in a 90 minute movie to like hold all those things at once because it it was just, it was a little too much for me, I think, even though I'm like, yes, individually, all these issues do play out that way. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I agree in the sense that one thing I'm a little bit 
like tired of seeing when we have a character in a film who doesn't want kids a little bit like with megan actually is like the cold career woman i'm kind of tired of seeing that trope because actually you can be you can love kids and still not be sure that you want them or still not want them do you know what i mean like i don't feel like we need to have all that in one character i agree that maybe that was trying to do a little bit too much there like for me personally i friggin love children it's not like a lack of ability to bond with a child that makes me give pause it's it's kind of like more to do with like society being scary (laughs) and the process being laborious to say the very least but i'm a little bit tired of like the high-powered career woman i think it's become like a bit of a trope in the film like they tell her that her biological clock is broken because she doesn't have this desire this natural desire to have kids that you know that's something unnatural which like sure if we want to boil humans down to their like one biological purpose fine it's unnatural that she doesn't have a desire to have children but it is also and I think I don't know if this film really touches on the horror of this well no it kind of does because you know this clinic is manipulating women she says you are a magician you're basically you know making us see things that aren't there making us desire things that we don't didn't want initially it can be quite like existential to realize like how much of like human experience is kind of whittled down to hormones and biological processes, especially like connected to things that we hold really close to our identity, whether that's like your sexuality. We know how like changing sexuality can be like during your life. Sometimes like, you know, depending on like what hormones are in high drive and it shouldn't like diminish those feelings. And it can obviously be used like, you know, as a way to like disprove what things are natural and should be considered like within a sort of parameter like acceptable in society. I've never touched my belly and be like, oh, it'd be so nice to be pregnant. It'd be so nice to have a kid. People always say to me, you might change your mind. Yeah, I might change my mind. I might one day get an extra sexy dose of fucking oxytocin and be like, shit, I want a kid. It's not going to change my mind about actually having them. I don't know. I think it's just scary to feel there's no sort of static sense of who we are and what we want. And obviously lots of that's cultural because she's influenced by like her Jewish heritage and that family history. The fears kind of overlap in a way of like, it doesn't seem like she hates children or dislikes them. It seems like she's scared of getting close to them because she fears that like it'll make her want one. But she's voluntarily going to something to make her want one like that's what's confusing to me she's going voluntarily because she was talked into like thinking that something was wrong with her personally by the doctor yeah but she wouldn't she want to be around kids like wouldn't she try being around kids to like try and change her mind quote unquote like why go through a scary experimental procedure it makes more sense in that ideal of like okay well if i do this thing everything else will be easier she wasn't like told that it was going to be a hard process. It was like, oh, you go to this thing, and, like everyone's reported great results. It's totally fine. Like I can vouch for it. And so there's like no real reason to be like, I'm going to go do like absolute immersion therapy and go hold babies for five hours. Like there, there wasn't a thought to do that. But I think once she goes there and you start to see like when they put her in the tank and like that scene of the baby dangling from her um literally nightmares like genuinely I don't think I had as much of a fear of like childbirth or having a baby until I saw that and then I was like oh my god 
And then when she starts seeing her grandmother, who she doesn't know is her grandmother after that, I think it starts to blend together what exactly the fear is for her. It doesn't seem that it's as much as like giving up her career. I think it's more of like how consumed with guilt she feels for not wanting it because of her family's background. And we also have to remember what did happen in the camps. Like your baby was overwhelmingly taken from you and immediately killed in the gas chambers. When she's saying she has this fear of like, if it could happen then, it could happen again. She's also imagining that there's very well a possibility that her child could be taken from her and killed and she could be in camps. So she's going through a lot of different emotions. And I think that they do a good job of blending how complex those fears are without jamming too much in 90 minutes. Like I thought that was well done. But also I think with her husband and her relationship, it kind of examines how love is not enough. I don't mean this in like a pessimistic way, but I don't think it's enough to enter a relationship thinking that you love someone and you're fine with whatever decision they make about big life choices, which is how her husband seems to paint the relationship to her. It's like, I love you enough to not care if you want to have a child. Like, I want what you want. And people are just not like that. And that's fine. If someone does not love me enough to want to wait for when I have a child, by all means, I hope we make each other happy while we're together and then go find someone else who can fulfill what you need at that moment if I no longer can that's fine but in his case instead he thinks I'm going to manipulate my wife into wanting to have a baby so that we can stay together and be happy and in love and then also have a child and that thought process to me is so much more cruel than just to walk away and be like actually this is really important to me and I think we should just get a divorce so that I can go find someone who wants to have a kid and you will find someone who genuinely will be fine and supportive of your decision to not want to have a child. They got married pretty early on, like they weren't newlyweds. I think he probably just presumed that she would change her mind or that he would eventually be able to weigh her down into having a child. And if you are approaching any sort of relationship with the idea that you need to change someone, then you need to leave. This movie, I think, kind of shows how marriages depend on you not going into a situation hoping that someone will change their mind because they won't and then when she even seems like she's giving in to him in the film he's like oh no I know you don't really mean it it's just because your dad just talked about it so I won't even have sex with you in this moment and then he still went forth but going undermining her in this way of having a colleague approach her about experiment that had not been vetted very well He saw her going through all of these psychological and physical changes and never once did he think to sit her down and say, I fucked up and I may have conned you into going through with this experiment. Let's see what we can do to fix it. Instead, he let her essentially go crazy and watched as she acted very strange in front of their friends, was really weird about her and the baby. She made that horrifying nursery, which I don't think he saw the nursery, so whatever. She ate raw eggs in front of him got really angry with her dad not once did he say oh maybe it's because of this experiment that was not vetted yeah I agree I think like this film as other people have noted is a little bit Rosemary's baby-esque in that it is like the plot twist does make it horrible of like a, a woman being like gaslit into a pregnancy in Rosemary's Baby it's desired but it's under different pretenses and, and in this film it's not desired and it's just yeah I think that kind of changes everything about like their relationship because at first I was like oh this is sad like 
I agree with you that people who have different needs and wants shouldn't like get married. But I was like, oh, it's sad that like they have this conundrum because they seem to love each other. And then that happens and you're like, oh, okay. It also happens to be like the very mon femme point of the film, which is like a vagina dentata, which I wasn't expecting to see where like the implant becomes like a, yeah, like a vagina dentata, which is, which is funny. Um, A kind of a subversive use of it, I'd say. I mean, I guess an implant historically, when we think of an implant, it's like to stop a pregnancy, whereas this implant was to spur one on. I feel like that was like the the most mon femme part of it. And interesting that it happens at that moment of like betrayal. One thing I really want to explore deeper was the hormone thing. I think it does so much and body horror in general, besides the baby pendulum swinging from an umbilical cord, whether or not you find that like a little bit funny unintentionally or like poignant, that's probably down to personal preference in horror. But other points where it was just like depicting women's procedures as horrific I was like oh my god I felt so validated I was like finally someone who can show the fucking horror of a smear test and like all these painful procedures that women are expected or people with vaginas are expected to just like fucking do with no complaint I was so happy that finally a film was like showing actually that's the body horror like even without the gruesome bits like that bit fucking sucks because like that shit that we're subjected to on the reg and it sucks that was very validating Part two of that, there's like a repeated thing of like, these are just naturally occurring hormones. They can't harm you. First of all, the premise that like the idea that one week out of the month that I have like somewhat regulated hormones and the rest of the time is PMS or period or ovulation. And like, I fear like if I looked at my life and thought about what decisions I made at what point and like where I was in my cycle, like I don't want to think about that. That honestly scares me. But the other thing, like, I remember when I was younger, when I was, like, 16, and I had a weirdly, or 15, 16, I had, like, a weird lesbian feminist rage against, like, birth control. I was like, no, I won't alter my hormones, like, in any way, shape, or form, just so that you can have sex without a condom. Obviously, you should still use a condom, but the whole premise when you were 15 and 16 was boys were like, oh, no, I don't want to wear condoms, so you should just be on birth control. And I remember being like, why should I take something that's going to, like, interrupt the cycle? Why can't you just wear condoms? I feel like this film really does explore like a kind of fear of hormones. And this is not to say like, this is don't no one, no turfs read into this and talk about like, you know, transition hormones and and things like that, like gender reaffirming hormones. I'm not talking about that shit. I'm talking about just like, just generally hormones being somewhat of a scary endeavor and like having somebody who experiences like female reproductive systems in their body and how that could be scary and you can feel out of control i thought that was a really unique avenue into body horror i agree i think that also like so much of like the stereotype of women being irrational emotional like your hormones can be really like out of whack and it does affect your mood and it can make you a raging cunt it can make you fucking suicidal like there are so many extremes to it and instead of like examining the root cause of it to be like painted as just innately irrational is um I've always really really struggled with on the birth control note I thought that was a really interesting aspect of this that the husband wore condoms um and they were a married couple who used condoms I I just have never seen that depicted in anything before he was so chill with her not only not wanting to have a baby, but also not wanting to be on birth control for 
there's all sorts of reasons people don't want to be on birth control, right? But hers was that I think it was like breast cancer ran in the family. God, I forgot about the breast cancer point. That's even worse because he sends her to the hospital and the pretense is breast cancer exam. And breast cancer like, screening, yeah. It's very and nefarious. And then he just manipulate her to bit. That's so much worse, man. He's such a dick. <laughs> the, the struggle that people have with hormonal birth control is also something I haven't seen depicted in like a body horror type of way. So like, yeah, there's hormones, but then there's also like the decision to not be on birth control is really tough. Like I've been on and off birth control, like as long as I, not like since I was, before I was sexually active, I was on birth control for like other reasons. They prescribe it for all types of things to regulate your cycle. If you have endometriosis, if you have acne, like there's all sorts of reasons people get prescribed birth control. And it is un like the pill in particular is undoubtedly a major driver of the sexual revolution of the sexual freedom of people with vaginas of people with uteruses it has been so revolutionary and it is something that i'm so blessed to have access to affordably i didn't have health insurance for a really long time i couldn't be on birth control right and that was like a dark cloud over me of like i wasn't having sex or i was like being abstinent when i wouldn't necessarily have been abstinent or if i wasn't i was like paranoid and stressed about condoms people having condoms me having condoms do condoms work do they break they do break plan b is terrible it's another influx of hormones into your system that make can make you feel like really awful and sick like oh my god yeah have you ever had the morning after fucking sucks yes it is so actually when i think about it has been so present in my like young adult life regulating my own hormones like my period what i can do what i can do with my life like having access to those things is super important. And I have to be on it because I cannot have a child. I cannot have a child right now. That's fucking ridiculous. I'm also now fixating on like another aspect of this, which is like it, like the social forces, certainly that are a reason not to have children and the like great existential forces that are a reason not to have children. I am like resentful of the fact as like a person with no generational wealth it is irresponsible. It feels rather, it feels irresponsible for me to have children, even though I want them. I might not have kids by forces completely outside of my control that are like economic, that are like because of capitalism, that are because of like other people's fuck ups, right? Whether that, that includes the existential things of like climate change, of corporations, of my job will not give me enough leave. They, will, they just won't, right? Like New York State will not give me enough leave to have a child, that I am in a city that does not allow for like community to take care of a child, like logistically. That is also a thing that I think sucks really heavy and nobody like talks about it. We're like, I spend a lot of time convincing myself that I don't want one or that I like, because it like, it's so sad. Like the grief of like not getting to have one because I don't have like the means or the circumstances to have one is like a bummer. And the reason I'm on birth control, right? Like, I, I'm so glad to have the freedom of being the choice and to live in a state where I can have an abortion also. Like, let's really talk mm. about like that choice that lots of Americans have lost very recently. Like, that is such a blessing. I, I, I take sanctuary in that, like genuinely. But at the same time, like, if I could have a baby tomorrow, like if I wasn't a worker under capitalism, I would have a baby tomorrow. Straight up, I would. And I will not do that. And like, I probably, if I do have a child, it will not be for many, many, many years, like towards the end of my biological clock. And I have to like account for that as well. So like, I think 
some of those things are touched on like the like the birth control condoms thing I was really glad to see obviously I wanted to disclaimer with the birth control comment that like I said I just had like I think I'm more objective to the reasons I had to be on it which for me were tied to just men not wanting to wear condoms as someone who is from one of the states in America where I have very restricted abortion rights I definitely agree that I feel a lot better about how many privileges are are offered in the UK in terms of like abortion and affordable health care. I did like that it explored in this film. She mentions um, the, the role of a queer pregnant friend I thought was a good thing to include. And she said, Alexis Jack now in her, in her interview um, with Creative Screening, she says, I really tried to include diverse characters and viewpoints like Shauna's character, Ella's best friend. She's a gay woman who's clearly been through IVF and it's been a journey for her to get pregnant. I wanted to include her viewpoint because Ella can be a little insensitive. She can talk about pregnancy and motherhood in a way that is bothersome to to women who might really want this and be struggling to have it. I wanted to to include those women as well to say, hey, I see you. I'm wanting to be a mother's perfectly wonderful, beautiful, normal, natural one. I support your wants and desires too. But every woman wants, and so hopefully Shauna's character brought the perspective as well to balance out Ella's. And I actually quite liked that because I was thinking about how, I mean, going back to my fears about it personally, I was like, the, the problem is I'd probably have to do like something quite intensive as IVF. And that's like a huge, so it's like such a deliberate choice. Like I think sometimes with straight mm. couples, there's such like a forgetfulness about like what responsibility it has because it can happen accidentally in some cases easily, some cases not. And I think people forget like, oh, we'll just have one or when it happens, it happens. And they don't think about the weight of it. Whereas I think when you're in perhaps a less conventional route in your life with it, you really have to think about it being such a deliberate choice. I was happy that that perspective was included, but I also related it back to my own thing. And I was like, yeah, but that's the fact that it's such a deliberate choice because I don't want to do it because the world's so terrible. But I liked that she, uh, the director took like likes to show like a, di- a range of viewpoints with pregnancy and stuff. I thought that was good. And- she really thought about it when she jumped off the cliff it confused me because i was like what was the beginning was that not her um <laughs> i was so confused i thought we were gearing towards that ending but then we have an ending where she's looking at the fish um crawling out of the sea and one person anna menta her decider said but what does it all mean clock leaves that up to the audience but my interpretation is that ella now dead is grieving the fact that her family line which has survived so many hardships is dying with her it's somewhat of a mixed message given that much of the film is focused on validating her decision not to have children or maybe the fish symbolizes the fact that the cycle of life will continue whether or not ella passes on her genes i thought that was interesting because i was like i wonder how you guys interpret it like did you did you interpret it as like her seeing her family line and there and then or did you interpret it as like it will life will continue? I don't know if I would see it as like her family line had ended because what her dad talks about the entire movie is the fish and seeing the fish go from water to land and she sees that at the end. So I think it feels more like a rebirth of um her dying knowing that her father loved and accepted her for who he, who she was and she doesn't feel the guilt of her family line ending with her because she knows that he was okay with it. And she's with him in death and her mother and the rest of her family. So I feel like there was less grief there. But I was shocked that she killed her father when she thought she was destroying the clock. That one did throw me for a loop. It honestly could have did without it. Um, I didn't think there was a specific reason that she needed to kill her father. If it was Aiden, I would have cared a lot less. And she was very out of it. 
and was Aiden's bitch ass fault. And he didn't even apologize. He instead called the police on her as he graphically described her, her father's mutilated body. I was like, this man is the worst. That's a really good point also, because I feel like there are people who want kids so badly, they'll have them with whoever the fuck. And that person is not equipped or they want them so badly and have not thought about what it involves. And then they're terrible parents. Like, I feel like I wanted some of her friends to be bad parents. Like I wanted there to be like other justifications that she was witness to or some way that her her husband would be like not nurturing to a friend's kid who was at the party or something you know little throwaway i mean to be honest i don't feel like he was really trying when her friend was when he was around babies he was just kind of like i mean if you don't want one i don't want one yeah because i think if he was hugging and smooching on a baby he would be like guilt tripping her (laughs) do whatever he wants but like he just was he was so seedy about it and like lying about it instead of just being honest if he really said that she he wanted a kid It seemed like she was more than ready to be like, okay, I love you, but if that's what you want, let's leave this marriage and you move on and find someone who makes you happy and I can do me. Like, it seemed like that she was very open to that being an arrangement. But instead, he ruined her life and then called police on her, forcing her into committing suicide or either going to prison. I think it was difficult because it sets up the father to be the main villain of the film and then it's actually not him. So you're right, it kind of would have been more satisfying if it was Aiden. It can't all be tidy at the end. So I kind of feel like having the sort of struggles consume her a little bit. She was driven to it. And then like the end end, I kind of liked it was like a sort of like cyclical throwback to this primitive fish, like human evolution, biological reproduction for the sake of continuing on life, like at its purest form without the burden of human history and suffering. I don't know. it It felt like kind of like a cleansing freeing thing she said of the ending the director with um an interview with fangoria she says i did grapple with the ending because i wanted her to have this triumphant ending i thought it was unfair to watch her grow through all this and the and she regains her autonomy and she doesn't get the triumph but now i'm watching it in the context of roe roe v wade and i think that what she does at the end is an ultimate act of autonomy i didn't see a way to get her out of it once we go through the twist of what's actually going on If you see it all like your family line from the fish coming out of the water, then you would understand like the beauty of why it is so important to continue your family line. However, she sees at the end the beauty of her family line and like remembers the pleasant memories her father and mother and then sees the fish coming out of water, I think kind of shows that she having autonomy over herself and choosing to end her life and her family line with her in this way, rather than like going to prison and dealing with her craziest ex soon to be ex-husband gives her the freedom that she needs to feel the connection and walk away from it. Thank you for listening to the monstrous feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, which is out. <laughs>